my parents moved to Japan when I was six. And when you're told that, that they left you behind because you don't belong to them. Don't you, can't you see you don't belong to them? You're, look at your color and look at your brother. No, get a little bit of darker foundation, mix it with your regular one so you don't freak out. I would even say, you know, there are bronzers and all beautiful products that you can put on your skin to even make the most of a tan. You Hey Bene, this is Rina Diptianabil and you are listening to The Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, the podcast where each and every week I speak to fierce and fabulous females who each in their own way are changing the world one bit at a time. It's all about real talk here, unfiltered girl chat and women supporting women. So ladies, summer is fast approaching. And ever since Megan The Stallion introduced us to the phrase hot girl summer in 2019, we know that we want a bit of that. We want, you know, a bit of sass in the sun, strutting around in sunglasses, looking fine as hell, topping up our tan, being unapologetically us. Only it's not exactly like that for brown girls, is it? Not the ones that are hiding in the shadows anyways. They're too scared to get a tan to enjoy summer. So, you know, why is it that some of our South Asian sisters are still obsessing over fair skin? Just where did this attitude come from? Every single one of us deserves our hot girl moment in the sun. So how can we have a hot brown girl summer? Here to help answer all these questions and more is writer, speaker, change maker, mom, hot brown girl, Shweta Agarwal, aka The Black Rose Way. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy and Perfect, Shweta. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rena. That was uh, that was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. And uh yeah, thank you for inviting me to discuss this topic. Um, oh, yeah, I've got so much to say about this, as you know. Um, but I think it's something that we really, really need to touch upon now. You know, as you mentioned, uh, brown girls are uh, shunning from the sun, right? So um, they're, they're shunning the sun away, and it's not what we should be doing. We should be enjoying the summer. Yep, so. oh, and, yeah. and, and it is it is really sad, isn't it? And the, the thing is, Shweta, I have I've seen your social media content for a while like I know I just know you through social media so I've seen it for a while you know like the output that you put in because you're very passionate about this about speaking out about colorism so and, and I have done a few episodes now I think this is like my fourth episode about this topic and I'm going to keep looking at it from different angles while it is a thing so you know it's really important to me um, but I thought okay, I've got to get her on and talk about this, um, particularly when I saw your last social media, not your last social media post, but like I think a couple of weeks ago, you put out this reel about um, celebrating brown women, um, representation, dark-skinned Asian women, right? And you had a little bit of backlash. So first of all, just tell me what the reel was about and then what happened afterwards. Oh, wow. Okay, so that can be a whole different podcast on its own, <laughs> as you know. Um so the reel was something that I shared, uh, to be honest, just out of sheer joy and pride. Um, I started watching the Bridgerton, you know, series, mm -hmm, uh, season mm -hmm. two. And as you know, the lead characters are these beautiful, gorgeous brown girls. And I, I couldn't contain my excitement and my pride. And I was so happy. You know, you, you know that moment where you finally feel seen and they're much younger and I'm like 40 something years old. And even then I felt seen and I felt connected immediately. And so I wanted to just put that message out there. And, you know, often you think when you're posting something on social media, you're, you're 
scared, you're worried, right? How is it going to be received on the other side? Um, and I think over time, I've just kind of uh, learned to just be myself and say what I'm thinking. And and the, the chances are, if you're thinking that, somebody else is thinking it yeah, too. Absolutely, yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I thought, okay, I'm, I have a real issue with uh, colorism and uh, the perpetuation of colorism in Bollywood mm -hmm. and how they're pretty much only and only fair-skinned fair beauties that you see in Bollywood, at least the A-listers, right? Um, so I just put a reel out there saying while, while Bollywood is celebrating uh, fair-skinned beauties, Bridgerton, well, mainstream media is celebrating melanated beauties. And it just went viral. <laughs> I mean, literally, like I've got nearly seven, seven million views now in wow. the last three weeks. Wow. <laughs> I can't even fathom that number. I mean, I can just about imagine a stadium full of people of like, I don't know, Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people. I can picture that. Yeah. Seven million people. I just can't even imagine that. And I guess because the message resonated and, you know, Having said that, as you said, I've got a lot of backlash as well. So that's a different uh, topic altogether. Um, but that was my message, just putting it out there, saying I, I wasn't, I don't know if I was calling out Bollywood, I guess I was. Um, but I was just comparing and saying, this is what the reality is. And the backlash has been shocking, actually. Um, a lot of people especially, I think this has obviously become huge and viral, particularly in, in India, I can see mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are those who love Bollywood, massive Bollywood fans. I am a massive Bollywood fan myself, by the way. I absolutely love Bollywood. I grew yeah. up with Bollywood. I mean, I didn't know anything else, to be honest. Mm, same here, same here, yeah. Yeah, growing up in, in Japan, I used to remember waiting for those, you know, little, those video cassettes and, and go to this one shop when this one video, one movie would be released and, you know, we'd be queuing for that and it would, the, 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 the shop owner would tell us, oh, we'll come back in 10 days because it's already, <laughs> there's already a queue for it. Um, what I have a problem with now is how amazingly progressive Bollywood has become, yet colorism seems to be a blind spot for them, right? So that's what I have a real issue with. And um, where, where I was going with this was, yes, so, uh, you know, a lot of Indians obviously they felt upset, they felt hurt. And it wasn't any kind of direct comment to attack any person in specific in particular, but the backlash was essentially around one particular issue, which is, or issue as they see it, that Bollywood too has dark skin beauties. And the examples that they gave me were like- Was it Deepika I, and, and um, Priyanka? basically exactly yeah i mean so the, mm -mm, no yeah so the examples unanimously have been deepika uh, and priyanka chopra and a couple of others like vipasha basu i guess okay and vipasha basu yeah a few of them have been through skin whitening themselves the entire process and they've admitted to it and i understand the pressure i'm not lifting fingers at them at all if i was in that industry which I wanted to be, by the way, when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and that's partly the reasons why I started using skin whitening creams at such a young age. And I've confessed to that in my book too. But uh, so I totally understand that, that pressure that they must have gone through in the industry. Mm -hmm. But for people to give me those actresses as an example was, it, it kind of spoke a thousand words in terms of how people see color 
only up until a certain color. So for them, they are dark-skinned dark beauties. But nobody could give me an example of, you know, somebody as melanated, for example, as Simone Ashley or Charitra Chandran, right? Or um, Maitri um, uh, uh, Ramakrishnan. Mm-hmm. The, right. the girl in uh, um, the Mindy Kaling's, I, uh, she's a Mindy Kaling's comedy show, isn't she? Never have I ever. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's it. That's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody could give me any example saying, oh, yeah, actually, yes, we have this person in Bollywood who kind of represents the, the more darker, the more melanated um, people. And let's be very honest. I mean, India predominantly is a brown country, right? I don't like to use, you know, colors. To, to identify with as um, in terms of like communities but let's be very honest we're predominantly brown right oh, uh, yeah um, and this is the thing you know I, I used to, I, I go to India regularly and it, growing up I go regularly and I went to Delhi you know that was that's our kind of uh, home is there and most people like you're right I think 80% of people are like me or darker the there's only like a 20% of people who are fair-skinned this is the thing exactly. Exactly. And yet the backlash was shocking. Um, it was, it's not just one or two comments, but we're talking hundreds and hundreds of comments from people saying, you know, what are you calling Bollywood out for? And don't, you know, Priyanka Chopra mm. and Deepika are like dark skinned beauties, dusky, as they say, uh, beauties uh, representing that kind of uh, community. I'm like, I'm just, I was just really surprised by how colorblind people can be. Yeah. And, and mm, hasn't Priyanka Chopra, she has in the past promoted skin lightening products. I think Ponds and another one probably as well, a fairness cream, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which isn't Quite the great. Quite a few of them have, right? Yeah, I mean, they Deepika have. has as well, right? Quite oh, a few of them. Has she? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few of them have. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying if they've used the product themselves or not, you do tend to see a difference in shade a few years later. I'm not going to comment on that. Um, I mean, Kajol, for example, was one dusky, dark-skinned beauty, whatever you want to call the, the, the shade, the color, that when she came out in 1990s or something, I think in the 1990s, in her first massive hit being um, Dilwale Dulania, right? Oh my God, I, I couldn't, again, contain my pride and my excitement. I was so happy. I was like, finally, there's somebody who represents, mm. you know, a darker skin. Yeah. But then over time, as you see her now, she's much lighter, much, much lighter. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not going to say anything, no comment there in terms of how and why. But... I mean, even, even Rani I'm... Mukherjee, right? Even Rani Mukherjee, uh, even Rekha, because Rekha, you know, in the 80s, when she was starting to get popular, she was mm. um, slightly darker than the other fair-skinned actresses out there, and she's not so dark anymore. So, But the, but this shows the pressure on them must be immense. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. whatever they've Completely. done, the pressure must be crazy. Yeah. It's a two-way thing, I get it, right? A lot of people have said it's not just Bollywood. It's the pressure that society puts on us, and it's, it's everywhere, and mm. therefore Bollywood also feels pressurised to do the same. But my point is... Let's be very honest now, right? The media world runs the world. <laughs> if they showcase something, eventually people will start to accept it, accept it right? Yes. So it's like marketing and, and kind of that, uh, you know, subliminal brainwashing as such that you receive from adverts, mm-hmm. right? And marketing. 
you constantly are told Colgate is the best toothpaste. Colgate is the best toothpaste. What will you do when you go to the shops? You buy Colgate, right? So if you see representation, you start to accept it. But they refuse to show that representation. And that's what I find quite disappointing. Mm, it is disappointing. And and you're right. They have such a, they do have such an impact on uh, South Asians around the world. And even like not even South Asians, because there's a lot of other uh, races that watch Bollywood as well. Um, but yeah, they, it's crazy. Like the, what they could do, but I don't know why uh, it's, I'll come back to Bollywood later, but going to Bridgerton and then those, the representation of those two actresses in there, Simone Ashley and uh, Chiritra Chandran is her name, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So obviously they are darker skinned South Asian women, right? absolutely beautiful stunning both of them which most people with eyes could actually see and I don't think anyone I know anyone who disputed that but I was really surprised that some people weren't actually happy with that representation of Indian women in Bridgerton like I'm talking about Indian women and people that I've spoken to so when when somebody you know made the comment oh but you know not all of us look like that you know we uh, uh, South Asians can be fair as well I thought I was actually a bit stunned to say anything and I get it if you know if you're very fair-skinned and then you know you're a South Asian but people are like oh are you Italian are you Iranian and all this kind of thing but you're like no South Asians can look like this also because somebody else might have this other um, image in their mind of a darker woman and you want to be like oh okay I'm Indian too there are Indians that look like me but I think to me it's that's fair skin privilege yes Thank you for saying it. Um, I can't help but think, and I'm just going to say it, right? Brutally, being brutally honest here now. Mm. I can't help but think those who came back with such comments are those who have enjoyed uh, fair skin privilege in their life and are feeling threatened. Yes. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But it's like I mean, that's it. I literally have nothing more to say. They're feeling threatened because I don't think I have seen a single person who is, say, my color, for example, comment and say, "Well, what are you talking about?" You know, Indians are fair-skinned as well. Not a single person mm. because there were so many of those comments that, as you mentioned, they were upset about that representation. That I, you know, I did. I did fall into that trap of like checking out their profile picture. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, again, like it was shocking. It was mostly fair-skinned people who had a problem with it. So, I mean, mm. that says everything, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It's like, oh my God, we, you know, we're not the most desirable ones anymore uh, because that's always how it has been. And and that's why I was so happy. Even because the thing is like, I'm from a family of three sisters, right? So I'm the eldest. And uh, my other two sisters, we're all different shades. So I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, my younger sister, youngest sister, is um, slightly darker than me. And then my uh, middle sister is really fair because my mom and dad are quite different skin shades. And there's lots of different skin tones in our family. You know, some really, really dark and some super fair people. So anything could happen when you mix that all up, right? Um, so anyway, my middle sister, who is really fair skinned, um, like my dad's side of the family, um, she was she was ecstatic about it. She was like, oh, oh, they're so beautiful. You know, it's really nice to see them. But then maybe because, you know, she's 
been exposed to beautiful women of different shades in her own family who are proud of themselves and proud of their skin tone to the point where <laughs> when she was a teenager she actually tried to put fake tan on once to um, look a bit <laughs> so it's just funny because you know we have different shades and she wanted to be a little bit more bronzed I guess but she was like this is amazing they're absolutely beautiful and to have women like that in these roles and Bridgerton's a big deal like let's not beat around the bush it's like people all over the world are watching it millions of people have watched it and it's and this series too you know like sometimes the the second series is a bit like "Mm, wasn't as good obviously it's different but I absolutely loved it and think it was possibly even better than the first one and a lot of people are saying this a lot of people are saying this so these girls are you know people are being exposed to them everywhere and obviously they showed the culture and everything in that as well which was good um but I feel like I was so happy because I thought younger if I was younger right because I'm 43 now if I was a younger girl and I did have those insecurities you know I used to did not fairness cream but I probably would have put fairness cream on if I could get my hands on it but I um tried natural things like you know the bison and um dahi and haldi on my face and this like the skin brightener in quotation marks skin brightener when I was in my teens oh god I'm so dull and dusky and all this if I had been a teenage girl or even like early 20s and seen these two girls in this series that would have done wonders for me it really would have like I, I think that people don't realize that how much that can actually mean to somebody absolutely yeah I, I couldn't agree more um it's because I didn't see it growing up either I mean the one actress I remember was uh Sita Bato, right she was yes you know beautiful and so talented mm. and uh you literally I think one of the best actresses Bollywood can can have yeah. ever have um shame that she's you know she was gone too soon um but that representation that you see as a young girl, um, it's you can't put a price on it in terms of what it does to your self-confidence, right? Yeah. So for people to say, um, oh, well, this representation is wrong. And, you know, of course, of course, they're going to show dark skinned Indians because that's what they think Indians are. Well, let's be very honest. Most Indians are, firstly. <laughs> and secondly... <laughs> it's not rocket science right and secondly um be happy for those who finally feel seen yes yes because you know I think the time has come like even even for my daughters because my daughters are half black and you know I they're all different shades as well all three of them they're like me and my sisters all different shades you know between my husband and me um and they're I mean they're very proud of their skin tone because we teach them to be but even for them, like I, I remember ages ago, one of my daughters, um, my eldest, I think she was she's putting on a lenga or trying on lenga. She's like, oh, they don't, you know, they don't look as nice on me as, you know, if I was a bit like this or I had straight hair and fairer skin, like as if she is, you know, looked more Indian. And I kind of thought, you know, my heart sank. I thought, well, Indians actually don't all look like that. So you're thinking that is the, to be Indian is straight hair and fair skin. You know, it's more difficult because obviously you're trying to fit into both cultures in a way for her. But the fact that there are Indians, a lot of them with wavy hair, curly hair and darker skin and darker skin than her as well. Like it's okay to see people like dressed up, looking like this, looking glamorous. Because even with Smita Patel, um, so she obviously very beautiful, but she was her role she carved out for herself was 
the art actress you know what I mean it's all about mm-hmm. her talent and it's like other people like I don't know Barbie Barbie or you know Ashwari Rai who came along later it was like oh my god this is the epitome of beauty this is beauty mm-hmm. this is sexiness and that it, yes. you, I was obsessed with Ashwari Rai oh my god like back in the day when Ashwari Rai she won Miss World and then she got into films it was like oh my god the dream is Ashwari Rai every South Asian boy was like Ashwari Rai was the art you know the benchmark of yeah, beauty yeah, for exactly. a wife do you know what I mean yeah light I eyes the same way. yeah yeah and we could never be that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, it's funny, isn't it? Because you do see quite a lot of that in Bollywood, right? The light eyes, the fair skin, yeah. the, the kind of, um, you know, Eurocentric uh, beauty as such, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I grew up, for example, in a family where both my parents are extremely fair. My, my father's like what you see in the Punjabi families, although we're not Punjabis, but, you know. Right. He used to almost like Italian or Iranian, like mm-hmm. very, very fair, jet black hair. My mother um, is very fair. My brother's very fair. In a family of like 23 people on my paternal side uh, with his four other siblings, their spouses, their kids, I am the only brown one. Literally oh, wow. the only brown one. Yeah. I, and in fact, one of my cousins is, um, he looks European. He looks like the, you know, Ritik Roshan equivalent. Um, light eyes, light brown hair, very very fair he used to be called the American boy uh, uh-huh. when we used to holiday yeah. <laughs> in India in the summer um, and nobody believed that he was my first cousin my first cousin right so so where does you, your beautiful yeah, melanated skin tone come from I, I guess my mother's side um, mm. but yeah you know as you said thank you <laughs> um, because I celebrate it now but it took three decades to get here you know, to celebrate your color because you're bombarded constantly from the day you're born in our culture um, that you're not good enough because of your color. And what are you meant to do and where are you meant to go if you're, if the largest organ on your body, your skin, you're, you're literally covered, right? You're, you're, is, that's what people see first, your skin, right? Yeah. What are you meant to do with your entire body? Mm. So... You know, as you can imagine, as a young child, um, when you're told that from such a young age, I totally get it. I get why there's this obsession in India, because obviously it's very deep rooted. Um, and I get why people then succumb to the creams, because I did. Um, did somebody give that to but, you or did you yourself think, I don't like being this color? I want to do something about it. Yeah, it was me um, who kind of reached out for the creams myself. Um because for me, it actually also came down to belonging. Um, yeah. And I think as a child, when you're told as a six-year-old that your parents left you in, in a boarding school and took your brother with them, um, because my parents moved to Japan when I was six. And when you're told that, that they left you behind because you don't belong to them. Don't you, can't you see you don't belong to them? You're, look at your color and look at your brother. Um, was this a joke or was this an actual? Oh, this is an actual 60-year-old man. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was already going through abandonment issues, my parents had to do what they had to do because they couldn't afford my education there. Um, So obviously my brother was little. He was only a year old or something. And to then hear that as a six-year-old in a boarding school Mm -hmm. and yearning to be with her family and trying to find love in her nanny's house amongst the Mm -hmm. mamas and the mummies and everything... um, to then be told this, right? And not once, repeatedly told this. 
as you can imagine, this trauma from the age of six, has, yeah. you know, is still with me. And I talk to my mother about it now and she gets it now. She didn't mm. used to get it earlier because I never told her all of this. So when we started talking about it, when I started writing my book, she, you know, initially her response was, oh, that was a long time ago. You know, don't worry about it. it was, uh, it's just, you know, stupid uncles saying stupid things. You know how Indians tend to trivialize mm. things, right? And, you know, I'm not saying again, my mother is, you know, right or wrong or it is wrong well, um, but that's just what, parents of that generation do right yeah of course um so you know because she's seen that I don't blame her for trivializing it the way she did either but I think in the last 18 months as I've been talking to her and sharing more and more mm. with her she's come to understand how much that can impact a person and she can't she's like my biggest supporter now of my book initially I kid you not her words were what are you gonna do uh uh, what are you going to achieve? How are you going to change? Nothing's going to change by writing this story. Yeah. Mm. And now every time I call her, when's your book coming out? When's your book coming out? Mm. And she gets it now. But I think, I think that's one of the biggest issues with our community to trivialize the impact of yes. colorism. Like it's just not a big deal. It's not a big problem. There are much bigger problems in India. You know what? I agree they're much bigger problems. So why are you making colorism a thing? It shouldn't even be here. Get rid of it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Let's get rid of it and then focus on those bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, uh, it's a, like a multi-million pound industry anyway, the fairness industry, and there wouldn't be an industry if there wasn't an issue. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're right. A lot needs to be done. So tell me a little bit more about your book. So the book is called The Black Rose. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, began, to be honest, as just for, as a personal healing journey. It, it began as a journal, really. Um, and my moment of uh, epiphany as such, or my awakening, I would say, was after the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, on the 20th of June, I think it was like uh, almost a whole month later, there was one protest that was held in my local park. And it was one of the last ones in the country. Um, so I wanted to go to it. I wanted to show my support. I was disgusted by what happened and the act, you know, and couldn't sleep for days and just shocked really that this was happening in the 21st century. Um, and I remember vividly sitting in the park and I went with a hat, right? So obviously it was a glorious day. And of course, as you do, because we're South Asians, we don't want to tan. So what do I do? I go with a, with a hat. Um, and I sat there listening to, you know, numerous black people from, from their community sharing stories of racism and their mm -hmm. experiences. And that's when it really hit me. And I thought, I don't have the right to be here. I, what am I doing here when I'm sitting here with a cap on, a cap, not, not a hat actually, trying to not tan and I'm here to show support for people who are darker than me. I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world. So I felt so guilty after that. I again couldn't sleep for you know a few days, and then I went to a park bench one day with a with a notepad, and I literally just started writing, and I just wrote kind of like the prologue, literally, and came back home, and I shared it with my husband, and he said, "Wow, this is brilliant." 
And usually he always has something coming later on. Like, this is great, but (laughs) (laughs) this was the first time he just went, this is brilliant. And I went, but, (laughs) and he had nothing else to say. And he said, keep writing. And that's what he said. And he also has been so supportive. My kids have been through my book. They've, you know, they're my best critiques, by the way, because you know how kids are, right? They can be brutally honest. (laughs) And, um, yeah, two years later, here I am, and hopefully I'll be launching it in September. Um, third and final draft has now gone in for proofreading and proofreading only, no more changes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I'm so excited. There's a lot of, there are a lot of uncomfortable truths. There are a lot of confessions. Um, there's a lot of soul searching, fighting, wanting to fight colorism, but not knowing how to, but, you know, giving in, then trying to fight again, you know, literally like oscillating between the two. Um, I just, what I really want to achieve from this book is not just my healing. um, And I have healed now and I love the sun. It's like, I have a crush on the sun, (laughs) Um, but I want others to heal. That's all I want from this book. I just want others to be able to see themselves in the story as sad as it is, but then to read it and come out the other end healed. Mm. and do you do you go into like the whole where it started from this whole colorism obsession I mean I know that's going way back and it's really deep but do you Mm. kind of unpick that a little bit as well a little bit because that was part of my journey and in terms of my real experiences so as a teenager I remember wanting answers right as a young kid you don't really look for answers you just Mm. are so desperate to belong because of everything that I was told that you know I didn't really care about answers. I just cared about the final outcome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as a teenager, I did start start to question. And I then um, uh, dived into the Bhagavad Gita with my dad. Okay. And, you know, thought, okay, well, y- you told me Krishna is dark. So let's, let's read a bit more about this. Um, y- you don't get answers in the Bhagavad Gita. You get answers in terms of the, the whole Varna caste system, right? And Varna means color. I mean, that infuriated me. I was like, don't tell me it's got to do with your color. Like, are you, first of all, it's the most ludicrous notion on the planet that, you know, there's a caste system and a hierarchy in that mm-hmm. sense, which still prevails in India. The only country I think that still has this caste system and it's still so rampant. Um, but on the, you know, but on top of that, to call it Varna, which means color, like you can't help but think that the two are linked, right? Um yeah. Apparently not. So I did a little bit of research. Apparently they're not linked, but then why would you call it that? So it's very difficult to go back in time because we're talking thousands and thousands of years ago. So I still didn't get answers, to be honest. Even after reading the Bhagavad Gita, I didn't get answers. Um, And I think at that time, I didn't really kind of go into the Vedas and all that. Like, Mm. you know, I was a teenager. I didn't really care about going into all of that at that stage. Um, I then came to the conclusion that eventually when I wrote the memoir, I thought there's, they're kind of basically like mind boggling facts out there, right? Um, But again, there's no evidence to those facts. So I've kind of left it with references for people to read if they want to, and to come to their own conclusions, because I wanted to keep it as a personal memoir, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. some sort of thesis. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. So, and I actually, frankly, also, I didn't care by, by, by the end of it, by, you know, after my awakening, 
I didn't even care where it came from anymore. I just knew that I wanted to heal. Yeah. And I just knew that I'm done with colorism. Mm. So, and I think at some point, I personally feel that is a really important step to take because that's how you grow. If you keep dwelling into the past, you know, for example, not a comfortable to topic to talk about the whole Pakistan, India independence and everything that went around that. If you keep dwelling into the past and have and hold that bitterness mm. about the two countries and what happened back then, yeah. you're not going to heal, right? It's so true. I think after a certain point, you just have to draw a line and especially if you want to heal and just go move to move forward. Mm. So that's what I did in my memoir. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of people who do need to heal. And because the things that you had said to you uh, when you were younger, like a lot of people had these kind of comments, you know, even if it wasn't their own family member, but other people, you know, I had things people like, yeah, and you remember them as well. And I just wish I didn't remember them. Like, because you want to remember all the compliments and stuff and you kind of do, but then those really like hit you, the, 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 the horrible comments and you do always remember them. Like, you know, um, one, one, um, girl she just met me and my middle sister one day and she was like she said to me oh you and your sister look really alike but she's way prettier than you because she's fairer so you know and I kind of thought oh right nobody in our family actually cares about what you just said but okay and but you know I still it just makes you it just reminds you that people do look at these things people do think about these things and you kind of end up feeling quite bad about it you know so I I do agree (laughs) Yeah. And you can't help it either. You know, a lot of people trivialize it by saying, oh, well, you know, what's the big deal? It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, why do you be be stronger? And a lot of people have actually said this to me on Instagram and on Facebook. They're like, well, if you were stronger, then it wouldn't bother you. Well, (laughs) you don't know anybody's backstory. Right. So don't judge people because you're basically um, making fun of and ridiculing millions of people out there who succumb to these screens millions yeah and so and and it, and, it, and it does actually affect your life and especially like more so in India it does affect your life you know people can look at you and judge you and the whole caste thing as well you know there is that that there is this um mindset that oh if you are darker you're like a lower caste person because you're like you do menial labor and you're in the sun like doing whatever in the field and that's why you're dark and you come from this line of people if you're a fairer person you're like you know the top of the the caste hierarchy because you've been inside lying around having people work for you there is that thing and also with marriage as well you know oh you know we our daughter I'm really sorry she's a bit dark but she's a really good cook she's educated she can do all these things please just overlook the fact that she's dark. It's almost like that or like, oh, there's this girl, doesn't know how to do a single thing, um, not good cook, uh, not educated, but she's really fair. And that these are actual things that people say. They still happen. Absolutely. And we're talking about educated families who behave this way. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not just in the, the kind of suburban areas or villages of India. Even educated people talk like this and behave like this. So... Yeah. I know of a cousin who, it breaks my heart, literally breaks my heart. We're talking again, in this day and age, in the 21st century, educated man. My cousin is married to this educated man. And he differentiates between his two sons because one's a lot fairer and the, and the second one is darker, much darker. So the second one doesn't get as much 
love and attention from him. You, this is crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Also, I just want to talk a little bit about there's dark-skinned women stereotypes in India, isn't there? Now, like I just said to you, this whole thing of like, oh, you look like a Gambali or something, you know. Oh, if you're dark-skinned and you're doing, you're wearing like a nose ring, only a white-skinned woman could pull that off. You look like you're a maid, you know. These things have been said to people, and I, I've read a lot of things as well. And um, is there is there this 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 stereotype in India of also that the fairer skin girls are the pure good ones and then the darker skin ones are not basically have you have you kind of seen that as well totally so i mean when it comes to colorism we've got uh casteism classism and colonialism right mm. the three things put together give you colorism yes yeah? exactly um so one of the things for example and i'll come back to your point in a second but one of the things that i t- that i immediately picked on because i do now i'm so sensitive to these things um and I couldn't record it on my phone because obviously, you know, it's Bridgerton is on Netflix, so you can't record it. I tried to record that little scene and then it just comes out as like black and blank. So I was like, damn it, I really want to post about this. Um, I think it was the first episode itself where the Featheringtons, that family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the daughter, uh, Lady Whistledown, she's standing by a window, right? And the mother basically you know, has a go at her and says, what are you doing? Do you want to look like a pauper? Because yes. of the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she was standing by the window, the sun's, uh, you know, uh, uh, shining and beaming in. And she said, step away from the window. What do you want to do? Try, you're trying to look like a pauper. Classes comment, right? Immediately. Mm-hmm. I picked up on that and I thought, oh, there we go. You know, this, it, it's so deeply ingrained. It comes from back in the days, even the, you know, the English used to think like that. The darker skinned Indians were called darkies or blackies in India during the, uh, the British Raj, whilst the lighter skinned Indians were actually allowed to mingle to a certain level among, with the uh, English and also do certain jobs for them. Mm. So, you know, there's definitely that. But in terms of the whole purity thing, so I'm going to actually share a little anecdote, right, from my book. Mm-hmm. And I haven't shared this with anybody on any podcast. So Exclusive. This, yeah. <laughs> so when I started reading the Bhagavad Gita, um, one of the things that I, you know, I learned, obviously, is Krishna in Sanskrit means black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Shweta, my name, Shwet in Hindi means white and means as pure as white. Right. Right. So as you can imagine, the bullying I got for my name itself. (laughs) So so when I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, I remember asking my dad this and I said, Krishna in Sanskrit is black, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, and Shweta in Sanskrit is white, as pure as white, right? That's one of the definitions, as pure as white. And he said, yeah. I said, well, if Krishna is black and he is described in the Bhagavad Gita as the purest soul, yeah. why is white considered pure? And he didn't have an answer. And, the, and the, the Bhagavad Gita didn't have an answer. At least not that I remember. I don't, I've never heard an answer to that. And I've thought it myself as well. Yeah. I mean, my... my um. My grandma, my daddy, so my my dad's mom, she was a 
quite a, a devout Hindu. And so, I mean, it, it, it kind of worked in my favor because when I was like, oh, you know, I, I want to get married to this guy. He's African. He's black guy. And my parents are like, oh, my God, what's I'm going to say? And then they told her and she was like, it's all right. Krishna Bhagwan was dark. He was Aww. black. Shiva was dark. Great. Doesn't matter. And I thought, brilliant. Like, <laughs> I mean, let's forget all the rest of the colorism. But yes, um, this that actually worked in my favor. So I don't know. It, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, is it? I know we have Kalima in Hinduism. Mm-hmm. But all the other deities, they're all depicted as fair skin. And I, I, I guess it does seem to matter more that what colour women are. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's another thing that I've discussed in the book um, and that used to bother me a lot, the, the dichotomy in terms of the representation, right? So Krishna was supposed to be black and dark and blue-black and whatnot, but, you know, basically, essentially dark, right? Yeah. Yet in every TV series that you see Mahabharata uh, oh and Krishna, God. he's fair. Exactly. So annoying. Right? I think I think in yeah. one Mahabharata, he wasn't so fair, which was... um the one in the 90s there's there was a Mahabharata in the, the, 90s. the very first one yes that came on tv full and it was like a gazillion episodes and he was I mean he wasn't like the fairest I've seen fairer yeah. Krishnas than that which really mm-hmm. annoyed me yeah and even when you go to like temples most statues will have Krishna as fair right yeah. because they're mostly yes. made out of marble yeah so they can choose between black marble and white marble but they usually choose white marble whereas <laughs> Kali goddess Kali is always only Kali yeah. Right? Black goddess, black marble. End of. So it's like, it's the hypocrisy of it. It's the double standards in terms of what's acceptable for depicting a male god versus depicting a female god. I mean, colorism equals confusion, <laughs> really, right? Yeah. Imagine a young child going through all of this and trying to kind of break it down. Like, you just can't break it down because it doesn't even make any sense. You can unravel things when something makes sense and go, right, this makes sense. Let's peel that layer off. I, I don't agree with this, but let's peel that layer off. Mm. But here it's just like a cat at once. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And, and even like, you know, like we're talking about um, Kalima and Krishna and you know, all these gods, if you are from a Hindu background and then someone's like, okay, you're darker, Kalima. And it's like, you may be like, okay, great. But, you know, that's one depiction of a goddess. Uh, am I going to be like Khun Pinivali Kalima or do I want to be actually not like that? And I don't want to, I don't identify with like, you know, this fierce kind of, um, this fierce fiery goddess. I want to actually just be chilled. Can't I be like a Saraswati? Can't I be Lakshmi? You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. It, so it is confusing you're right and that yeah. is literally the only goddess who is depicted as, as dark mm-hmm. literally the only one yeah um so i just want to talk a little bit now about how do we go about in ourselves you know from our healing and learning at this big age that we are and for younger people for south asian girls how do we kind of come out of this how do we celebrate ourselves and promote that, you know, with our South Asian sisters? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the first thing that I always like to start with is by saying it's such a deep-rooted issue. Um, you're exposed to colorism from such a young age. It's so, you know, deeply ingrained in us that it you can't eradicate it in your own mind overnight. Yeah. So So don't give yourself a hard time 
It's okay not to want to step out in the sun. It's okay to want to find that little spot of shade. Um, and you're probably going to kill me for saying this, right? But that's how I, I'm being honest because it took me 18 months. It wasn't just something that I kind of went, okay, I'm done now. And I'm just going to run out in the sun and come back tan after three hours. You can't help it. You keep reverting back to your old ways. You just can't help it because it's a habit. It's like an addiction. Literally, it's an addiction, right? So any addiction takes time to fight within yourself. So that's why I always begin with saying, don't give yourself a hard time. Um, one day at a time, one step at a time. Mm. But having said that, um, for me personally, I think it was understanding and realizing the connection that I had and the bond, the new bond that I created with my kids on a beach holiday when I finally let go and actually stepped out from under the umbrella of the sunbed and went out. We're talking midday heat, 12 o'clock noon, right? Peak sun. They were all, you know, sunblocked up and everything. And yes, sunblock is extremely important, even for brown skin, everybody. Please yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's like, it's just brown sunblock. skin. It's not leather, right? It's just brown exactly. skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So please do not, um, you know, ignore the importance of sunblock. Uh -huh. um, but I finally stepped out and I remember my kids saying, just enjoy mommy, just let go. And I held onto their hands and we were on this like um, uh, one of those inflatable aqua parks. And there was this drop like about three or four meters where, you know, you're just jumping down. And I, and I was like jumping with them. And I was just, you know, when you're out there for in the sun and you've had this whole colorism thing ingrained in you from like the age of six. And I was 43 last year. Um, I mean, every sun ray literally felt like, you know, pricks of a needle on you, right? Like you're just like, I need to go. I need to go. I can't be, you know, I can't be tanning anymore. I just let go. And I had such an amazing time. And after that, there was nothing stopping me, honestly. Like I went to every aqua park with them. I went, you know, I was literally out in the sun with them all day. And I never, by the way, ever um, projected my insecurities onto my kids. I don't care about their color. Um, but it was always just, you know, it stayed with me. Um, so for me, that was the reason why I kind of realized that is way more important than my stupid insecurity, you know? Mm -hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry, I take that back. I shouldn't call it a stupid insecurity because everybody has, a lot of people have insecurities and let's not judge people for, for the reason for their insecurities. I know that I was done with mine that day. Mm -hmm. And I think if you find something that is far greater than, and it's worth than holding on to that insecurity, then it'll become so easy. It'll, it'll be like, you know, then it will literally be just a day and you'll be out there enjoying the sun. And when you, once you don't care, there's no turning back because there is nothing that makes us happy. Let's be very honest, especially in a country like the UK, then a bright, glorious day, right? Mm. I mean, we, that's what we all talk about. We start a conversation with the weather. Exactly. <laughs> right? So enjoy the weather and enjoy the sun on you and enjoy its benefits. Because yeah, again, we need the vitamin D and that is a fact. 
Exactly. That is a fact. Um, I, did you also, uh, when you when you kind of let go and, and had fun in the sun with your kids, did you then have to look at yourself and actually think, do you know what, I look all right with the tan? Did you get to that yeah. point? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even, I, like, I... I came back and of course I was tanned because I tanned very easily. Yeah, same, yeah. And yeah, and I remember looking myself in the mirror and I remember, I think back in 2008, there was a holiday that we went on with eight, seven other families. I mean, I don't know how that even worked, right? We all came back still friends. Way. <laughs> <laughs> right? But um, I remember at that time when I still was very insecure about my color and we went to this holiday in Turkey and at this beach resort, you know, when you have such an insecurity that you, before anybody can make fun of you, you think, okay, let me just make fun of myself because it'll hurt less if when, after yeah. they make fun oh, of me. Oh, did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I did that. So I, I'm not um, happy to share this. I'm ashamed, but I actually said, Oh, guys, you know, um, by the way, by tomorrow, you won't be able to see me. All you'll see is my teeth. Mm. Yeah. Because I didn't want them to comment on my tan. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm so sensitive to it. I have become so sensitive, had become so sensitive, sensitive to it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Let me start again. I had become so sensitive to it that I thought it would be easier for me to make fun of myself because it'll hurt less mm. if they say something. Yeah. Um, and I remember after I came back from the Echo Park, having a whole day out in the sun with my kids, looking at myself in the mirror and just thinking, I can't believe I used to think like that. I can't believe that was me. Mm. And I've just had the best day ever with my kids. I've literally held myself back for 13 years, not enjoying beach holidays with them. On the surface, appearing to enjoy it. Mm. but inside not enjoying it because I'm worried about you know tanning by the hour and if you're on a beach holiday for seven days you can imagine what's that doing to you mentally right when you're not happy within gosh my gosh that that's a lot Shweta that is a lot you know what I mean like internally for you to be in a place where you're holidaying relaxing and then still having that that you're holding on to is a lot you know yeah. I, I think um with me I think when I was younger I, I felt like that a lot um but then um a couple of things happened with myself right so early 20s first thing that happened and really changed how I felt about my skin was so I uh I actually made friends with um two really stunning African girls who were very dark skin and we're talking about makeup so they were like and I was like oh I can't ever find my shade but then they could find their shade and then they told me about a makeup brand Iman and at that time the, the only makeup that I had access to made me look grey because you know you know how you probably experienced this right yes. when you're younger yeah, yeah. like back in the 90s or whatever you're trying to put makeup on to look nice and it's not that you want to look white and think the makeup's gonna look make you look white there was nothing else available but these exactly. shades and then you feel even more worse because you're like oh my god my skin's darker so I can't even find the right makeup and I can't even look nice I just end up looking ashy so then she's like oh no you need to go to uh, Selfridges in London um get uh Iman this so you know they go from white to like the darkest of the dark and then when I went in there and like the the, the woman at the counter she put this makeup on me and I had I, I was like oh my god like my skin looked just so nice and it just blended so nicely and the fact that wow there are all these shades out there people can make the most out of their skin and look beautiful and I just and I think that was a really a 
turning point for me that there yeah. are products for me to look good in my own skin mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm so glad you touched upon this because I think that's one of the reasons why we may reach out for the whitening creams right because we can't find makeup that works for our skin tone so let's just make ourselves lighter so we can work we can fit that skin tone yes right yeah. but such a warped logic isn't it for us to have to suck mm-hmm. up to mm-hmm. right yeah um so that's one of the things that i have also now learned to do when i go on holiday and i come back and you know usually your forehead is darker than your no- and your nose you know all of that going on i used to then come back and be miserable not seeing anybody for like 2 weeks be applying the whole besan and haldi and everything every single day getting rid of at least the um the the different you know okay, shades yeah. um now what i do is i make sure that i have a foundation in my cupboard that is a couple of shades darker mm-hmm. so when i come back from a ta- from a beach holiday and i'm tanned i just add a drop of that foundation to my current foundation mm. And boom. Yeah. I feel I feel okay about being the color that, you know, that I am after having a tan because at mm. least I know I can I can still look good in that certain kind of shade and makeup. Absolutely. Um, that was one of the biggest issues. Yeah, and and I think this this is a good point, you know, we're talking about how to have a hot brown girl, brown girl summer and that is, you know, the getting rid of your insecurity slowly slowly as you've mentioned is a big thing, right? Taking it one step at a time and also what you've just said, you know, get a little bit of darker foundation mix it with your regular one so you don't freak out i would even say you know there are bronzers and all beautiful products that you can put on your skin to even make the most of a tan you will look glowing i just think it's a glow and and i and, and that's another thing um that i was going to say shweta that so the makeup was one turning point and then the other thing was um when i went on a beach holiday with my friends when i was about um uh 22 like so just after uni and we went away together to turkey as well and then i i had um on my i had really severe acne right on my back for years and years and years i don't know but um and and i think having kids made i don't know the hormonal balance change or something so i don't have it now but i had it for years and i was very very conscious of it i used to put like when i used to so this is another insecurity right so when i used to like have a swimming costume I was like oh my god I need my hair open to cover my back and everything and no one's going to see all the spots and stuff and then I realized you know let me lie in the sun and get that area tanned because all these scars and the spots they kind of all beca- you know disappeared they all became very nice and tanned so I was like oh my god my skin looks great my back looks great I ended up getting a tan all over having amazing time in the sun going to water parks and everything and I just looked at myself and I thought I look like it's a nice golden glowing color rather than just you know m- me being like oh my god I'm dark and I need to stay in the shade and and also I f- I find that when you do tan like um you know you uh when you put uh, you use an exfoliator like mm-hmm. it's not like oh my god I'm trying to get this tan off but it just it, you end up looking it's just um glowing like you'll remove the dead skin I don't know you're darker mm-hmm. but glowing if if that makes sense yes. yeah, so yeah, I find absolutely. that that works really well um but i mean another thing that i i think is important in this whole you know feeling good in your own skin for the summer right for brown girls mm-hmm. is stuff that you wear the colors that you wear now you may have experienced this as well did like people saying don't wear this you're too dark oh my god yeah. don't wear that you're too dark mm-hmm. and all the time yeah don't wear white because you're going to look dark right don't wear black because you're going to look dark 
or just <laughs> exactly. it's like what am I supposed to wear or like and even even my my dad because he's very fair-skinned and his mom was very fair-skinned and and I think they there was colorism going on in their family right so you know even he when we used to go to Indian shops um as kids and for my youngest sister who was darker than us he used to be like oh these colors will look good on her you know because of her color and they were like dull greens and stuff and I thought Mm, not really like do you know what I mean like I personally think I think that there are actually so many colors that you can wear as a brown woman and the darker the better to be honest like the yellow the darker you are the beautiful on our on our exactly oranges yellows turquoise like Mm. the darker you are it will it just pops I just think it looks amazing so I really feel like embracing all colors are beautiful on our on our skin to be honest yes um white pops like I mean there is I don't think anything looks better on our skin than white absolutely it's it's sultry it's um it's just it's elegant it's graceful um, you know, black, I was told obviously not to wear black for years and years and years. The first thing I noticed when I moved to the UK, in fact, before I moved to the UK and I met my husband in London in 1999, December, just before the millennium, landed in London, checked into a hotel, walked up and down Oxford Street, and I went, why is everybody wearing black here? Like, I've never seen that many people dressed in black in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And I'm like, it's the middle of winter. And it's dull and dark already. And people are just dressed head to toe in black. Mm. And obviously when you're told all your life not to wear black, that's quite a jarring experience as such. And, you know, I mean, I was only, what, 20 something. And I'm like looking at everyone and judging them. Why is she wearing black? She shouldn't be wearing black. This one shouldn't be wearing black. I was told not to wear black. She shouldn't be wearing black. Just silly, stupid things like that. Um, I think one of the things that we definitely can do with in terms of our our color and celebrating our color is to just let go of all of that Mm. and enjoy wearing any color you want black is such a beautiful powerful color you know it it's literally the color of power right like I did a post about this a a few months ago where you know think about the black amex right or the the black cards that you receive it's the color of power it's the color of sexiness it's you know it's it exudes glamour like when you go to a ball for example most of the people are wearing black gowns right Mm. um white looks amazing on us black looks amazing on us brown people don't tend to wear brown and I remember seeing one post from Mindy Kaling um dressed in brown and I just thought it looks amazing on her. And I used to run a million miles from brown. I have one brown jumper in my wardrobe that I hardly ever touch away. That was the first thing I did after I saw her post going, why the hell did I not wear brown? It looks beautiful. And it's the color of the earth. And, you know, why do we feel ashamed of that color? And why do we feel ashamed of our color? So I couldn't agree more. I think we have so much more to celebrate our color now, especially with the representation of Bridgerton. I mean, I really feel, uh, you know, I don't know, I might be being a massive optimist or something, but I think that representation has done wonders for us. And whilst the whole world is celebrating Bridgerton, girls, get out there, enjoy the sun, enjoy your color. Mm. And, you know, honestly, like I'll never forget when the season started, 
I think I kind of binge watched obviously the first couple of episodes and uh, probably half the series. And then that Friday, I went to a pub with my husband. Um, and I'm not making this up. This is a real story, right? In my glasses, hair like this, tracks with bottoms because it was a very spontaneous, let's go out for dinner, let the kids just, you know, study or whatever they want to do. And so down the road, local pub, um, no makeup on. And suddenly when I walked in, I kid you not, five, not one, but five white men turned around to check me out. <laughs> and I went, thank you very much, but I'm not Simone Ashley. <laughs> 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 and this is in tracksuit bottoms, you know. If you were dressed up, God knows what would have happened in there. But, but you know what? What I'm trying to say is, is that suddenly we are attractive. Mm. I mean, we right? have yes, we've always been attractive, obviously. But we've yeah, people are attractive. Yeah, absolutely. But and it shouldn't be this way. That media should have to make us feel that way, right? So that's the point I was trying to make. Like, media is now. Uh, has um, uplifted brown women. And so, you know, rightly or wrongly, wrongly, because that incident in the pub was like, should I be happy about this? Or should I just be like, this is weird. <laughs> what, now suddenly you find me attractive because you've seen Simone Ashley on Bridgerton or, you know, or Charitra on Ash uh, Bridgerton. But what I'm trying to say is, is that there's definitely change in the air. So, embrace that change and just enjoy it now because it's here to stay I think mm. well Shweta thanks so much for coming on and uh, you know I'm excited to read your book I, I do think that we definitely do need books on this out there like I was even I was even thinking about um like for even for kids you know I don't um I think that I know it's in the black community there are nice books promoting natural hair and natural skin and things like that I think that well we don't have any do we for south asians anything like that so we you know we, we need those kind of books we need your book and we definitely need to keep talking about this because it's 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 not okay right to to no. feel ashamed of your skin when it's such a beautiful thing um Absolutely. so thank you so much it's been so good talking to you and if people want to find out more info about you your book and your social media posts so just share your details yeah thank you well, firstly thank you so so much for inviting me again it was just a pleasure talking to you and you know having seen all your podcasts as well I, I think that's one of the things I actually do love about social media that even though you're talking to somebody for the first time like this yeah they're still a familiar face and you've already got their vibe so yeah it's nice um, yeah it's it's lovely so thank you really appreciate this and thank you for inviting me to talk about this um as you know I can talk for another hour at least about it <laughs> um just to touch upon your point about uh, books in the South Asian community that touch upon your, you know, embracing yourself. There is one that I would highly recommend, uh, a series by Aditi, uh, Aditi Singh. Mm -hmm. um, she's based in the US and she's got a Sparkle Me series. And there's one about color and there's one about height, tall or right. short, we sparkle after all, something like that. Um, and there's one about color as well. So I'd highly recommend checking out her. I think it's cool. a picture book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, if there's any others, then I'll message you um, that come to mind. Um, in terms of my own details, thank you, everybody, for um, listening. Um, thank you for, um, well, not thank you. I would like to say, please go out there and enjoy the sun this summer. Um, let's hope that we have a good summer. <laughs> and um, don't give yourself a hard time, but at the same time, find the one thing that is worth 
fighting for in terms of your color and and you know leaving behind your insecurities and yeah please do check out the black roseway on instagram i do post uh relatively regularly on it about colorism and uh calling things out but also um talking about you know positivity and colorism healing etc so um thank you thank you again thank you shweta and thanks everyone for listening i hope that you've uh, found this interesting please do share this with basically everyone you know i'm going to be back again next week until then take care and when the sun finally does come out uh, it's out today but just catch those rays and have yourself a hot brown girl summer bye